Welcome to the Old Galway Diary podcast. Each week, Tom Kenny and I, Ronnie O'Gorman, write a column in the Galway Advertiser. Before it goes to press, we contact each other and share what is filling the page that particular week. This podcast is that conversation. And I would add, we enjoy talking to you and would appreciate if you would give us a rate and review on the Apple Podcast app. Tom, good morning. Hello, Ronnie. <laughs> I hope you had a nice Easter, Tom. I did, thank God. Yeah, yeah. I did. I am looking out at a beautiful cherry tree in bloom, oh, which extraordinary is enough time. to put anybody in good humor. I know, I know, today. I know. And the poor old cherry gets a bad press because people think, oh, it only lasts a couple of weeks. But boy, what a couple of weeks of vivid color there. Indeed, too. exactly. I agree. The yeah. things yeah. are just magnificent. Yeah. So, Tom, back to our normal way. How are you fixed this week? What have you got in store? Well, this week I have a couple of photographs of <laughs> Higgins's garage. <clears throat> I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very old Galway institution, really. And uh, <laughs> it's hard to believe 110 years ago. Oh, my goodness. W.P. Higgins. Now, he was from Athenry. He had a garage in Athenry. And he went down to Cork City to meet Henry Ford. <clears throat> and he asked him to give him a Ford dealership, which Ford did. He obliged. And it was the start of an extraordinary business <clears throat> partnership, really, between a business legend, if you like, and Higgins's garage. Now, at the same time in Galway, Bertie Simmons had a garage which was in at the back of William Street, in behind Matt O'Flaherty's, where it is today. <coughs> it was, excuse me, where the uh, Galway Arts Festival have their major exhibitions. That's right. For the last mm -hmm. couple of years. And this was called the Carb Motor and Engineering Works. Oh, my goodness. He was a mechanical engineer. <laughs> he painted a Model T. He painted it silver, and he put a big red cross on each door, and he drove it to France uh, during the First World War to help the Allied cause. And he obviously, <coughs> excuse me, got caught up and stayed there for quite a while. Uh, and in the meantime, his father who was the great photographer, uh, he was running or he was trying to run the garage business. But he was no businessman at all. And uh, <laughs> and unfortunately, it began to decline. And finally, it was decided to sell it. All and right. so W.P. Higgins bought the garage and all the tools and all the lathes. Right. It cost him £100 in 1917. Now, it doesn't seem like anything today, but that was a huge amount of money yeah. in those days. And so he was able to move the Ford dealership into town. And one of the first big things he did was uh, there were no petrol pumps in Galway. Petrol, you got it in two-gallon tins or in big 25-gallon drums. These were all in Galway. These were all stored in Corbett's yard. <coughs> uh, anyway. Uh, when WP decided to install one of the first petrol pumps in Galway on William Street, this would be in front of where Matt O'Flaherty's is today. Okay. There was outrage and major protests <laughs> from locals and businesses. Oh, it would ruin the 
prosperity of the town. They thought he was going to blow up Galway. (laughs) But he persisted anyway. And (laughs) and as it happened, of course, there were never any serious incidents incidents at this pump. So he had a major advantage, really, from Mm. other car Mm. dealers at the time in that Ford cars and trucks, they were the only ones built in Ireland. And that was a major selling factor. (coughs) Excuse me. And his business began to grow. Uh, And so he purchased then the old Victoria Victoria Theatre in Victoria Place and Moylet's Yard, which was adjoining it. And uh, he renovated and modernized the building and he relocated the business there in 1934. This was a major advance in car dealership. This was the first uh, dealer in Galway to have a showroom to have a large parts department and a large workshop as well. (coughs) So uh, as an additional money earner, he did an extraordinary thing. He opened the Astaire ballroom on the upper floor of the building. Uh, This had a a maple sprung dance floor. Oh, my goodness. Also very innovative at the time and was a huge, uh, hugely popular with dancers. In fact, it was a very popular venue. It was just that little bit before our time, but um, I I remember it being there. I don't ever remember being in it, but uh, anyway. In uh, 1947, Higgins was coming under major pressure from Ford to modernize and update and upgrade his business. Now, his business was longstanding, and he thought it was successful, and he fought against this Ford move for a while, but eventually he just got tired and he decided to retire. And he transferred all of his shareholding to his nephew, Paddy Higgins. And it was eventually agreed. He came to an agreement with Ford that he would go into partnership with a Ford employee whose name was Tom Sinjin Barry. Uh, Tom later became a director and eventually in 1959, he took complete control of the business. Tom and his family lived in what we would call the new Devon Park. That's right. At the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, it was a big business. There were 39 employees there in 1959. And a lot of those guys had been there for many years. Ned Maguire, yeah. who uh, was the father of Maguire's pub and Maguire's shop on Raven Terrace. Willie McComiskey, John Devaney, Peter Maloney, and others. Yeah. Now, the business was still continuing to expand. So in 1962, they moved again. Victoria Place had become too small. And uh, this was in a whole new kind of idea in terms of current dealing in Galway. It was... A new premises, a brand new premises that was designed in conjunction with the technical department in Ford. You remember, Ronnie, as I do, the Hedford Road was a desert, a bog desert. There was nothing there. When you went through the old railway, um, where where the railway bridge was, there was nothing. There was just flat, watery land, no buildings, no houses for a long, long way. And for most Galwegians, this place was out in the country, literally. <laughs> I mean, that's how they would have described it. Yeah. Uh, but that's where they moved to. And, of course, it became a huge success. Yeah. 
Eventually, in the early 60s, uh, Tom Barry's son, Michael, joined the business. And some years later, his brother, Kevin, also joined. Yes, yes. And in 1982, they were always innovative. Always. When you go through the history of the place. Yeah. They were the first uh, garage in Ireland to install a fully integrated computer system. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but they weren't finished yet because in 1990, yeah. They moved again. Now, this time to Motor Park, which is up near Lisbon. Yeah. And this was, again, a specially designed 60,000 square foot development further out on the Hedford Road, really. A whole new concept, if you like. In uh, And also because they had now taken on a number of other dealerships, <coughs> not just Ford, but they had BMW, Mitsubishi, and Honda. And suddenly all of these were under the one roof. And again, this was the first multi-franchise dealership in uh, the country. So in 2012, there were 100 years in business in Galway, in 100 years of Ford in Galway, they celebrated. So that's what I have today. The two, four, um, the, the, sorry, yeah. in more recent years, the business was taken over by the Shield Motor Group from Ennis. That's right. Tom, I've been dying to jump in there because I know the Barrys very well. And they don't have blood in their bodies like you and I. They have motor oil. They're car mad. And they were, yeah. I, I remember his dad very, very well, an extremely nice man. And he'd so, now, actually, slight correction there Mickey Barry, Tom Barry, and his family, they lived in Lenaboy Park. Uh, first, before they moved up to New Devon Park. So, oh, excuse <laughs> me. I know that because there's a day between Mickey Barry's birthday and my own. And we always celebrated our birthdays, one in his house and the next day in my house. So I, I know Mickey very, very well. And uh, I'm very fond of Mickey indeed. But his dad was great. And uh, he used to pick us up sometimes from the jazz. And, you know, he was a very care. He, he just was a natural car driver. You know, sometimes these people are natural. You feel totally relaxed in the car. I don't think yeah. he steered the car very well. He just drove and it just yeah. went smoothly. And he always had a new car to show off, you know, to, to demonstrate that he had a lovely new car. Now, there was another institution in those days, Tom, called the Spring Show in, in the sports ground. Yes. And uh, the, the garages used to show their new cars. And we used to beg my father, please bring us up to the, the Ford stand because you could sit in in the new cars and the new smell and everything like that. It was yeah, just yeah, great. Yeah. It was just wonderful. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and also that place, Victoria uh, Place, down place yeah. Galway, it's, it's quite a dark little place. It's kind of hidden away isn't it tom it's a bit in the shade it is yeah it is i mean the hotel has added a bit of yes uh, but you're quite right it is yeah yeah and it's, uh, it's just a tiny little street and <clears throat> uh yeah and like for a while the tourist office replaced the uh, right. higgins's garage there yeah and you know and it opened up a little bit at that time but it no longer so i agree no, no. Yeah, and there's a very interesting church down there, a kind of a shared Presbyterian church. Yes, uh, and Methodist. Yeah. Yes, a beautiful old Victorian building, you know. It is, yeah, absolutely. As you drive down. And it's lovely inside as well, by the way. Yes, I, I've been in it. And yeah. 
the hotel, the Victoria Hotel, has been improved lately, Tom. It's really magnificent. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Lovely, lovely hotel. But yeah. it's a very interesting corner of Galway. And I think I do remember Higgins's garage being down there all right. I didn't appreciate the history, though, that went with it. They were very well advised to move out of the town. Because, you know, with garages, you always have secondhand car sales and you have new car sales. And then yeah. you have cars you're trying to fix and put back on the road. And in those days, there was no MOT. There was no testing to see if it was roadworthy or not. It was just kind of hammered again together and off you went. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah. So the garages were very busy. I don't think they're as busy today. I, I'm just not sure. Um you know, if garages are as busy today, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they're doing lots of repairs and, <clears throat> you know, yeah, maintenance all the time. Uh, well, there are special panel beaters now, <coughs> which I know to my cost, Tom. That. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> there, there's a separate entity now but anyway, yeah. Tom, that is lovely um, and I know the berries will be very will chuffed to read all that. Um, if there are any Barry still involved in the motor business, I'm not sure at the moment. I haven't seen. I don't think so. Mike. I don't know. I don't there may well so. be. I haven't there seen Mike another generation Mike. there. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen Michael or Kevin for a while, actually. But Tom, that's great. I love that, and I I love it because I remember it. <laughs> you know, yeah, well, I, yeah, it just adds to it hugely. Well, anyway, Tom, for myself, I I've left the Joyce's well behind and i was looking at the time of year that was in it it's kind of march april may and i was thinking that just over 100 years ago there was a lot of things happening and i just got a little sort of sequence of events that i might discuss because one event melded into another event if you know what i mean you had uh you had uh in the previous november 1920 you had um, Michael Collins wiping out the so-called Cairo gang. I think there was something like uh, 14 British spies were, were murdered. Then yep. you had the uh, bloodletting in, on, in Crow Park the following day, November 21. And then there was the arrests and roundups and all of that. And then you had executions. And I'll talk a bit in a moment about Thomas Whelan from Clifton, Sky Road, Clifton. He was executed on March the 14th, 1921. That led to two RIC constables in Clifton being killed. Two young men, Charles Reynolds and Thomas Sweeney. They were shot by the IRA as a reprisal for Whelan's killing. As a reprisal for the killing of the two constables, the Black and Tans raided Clifton March the 17th. St. Patrick's Day 1921 and caused absolutely mayhem. And at that stage, Connemara was alerted to the War of Independence, took a very active part, culminating perhaps on in April, a 10-hour battle <laughs> around the house of, of Porik O'Molia in, in, in um, Kilmilken. Yes. And finally... May 21, I mightn't even get to this now, really, but there was the Ballyturn ambush in Gort, where the district inspector Blake uh, uh, was killed, was shot dead. His lady companion was shot dead and two officers were shot dead. So there's a whole sequence of events there, one triggering the other one. And yeah. uh, I just <clears throat> thought I'd look at it again. And um, 
just to, to go back to Tommy Whelan, this is, this is an extraordinary story, Tom. It could make a movie. We've often said these stories could make a movie, but certainly this one could. Um, now, poor old Tommy was rounded up and uh, uh, he was found guilty of being uh, participating in the Michael Collins shooting of um, of, of those, uh, the Cairo gang, so-called Cairo gang. They were the yeah. British spies who had infiltrated the IRA. Yeah. They were, they were yeah. you know, reporting back to Dublin Castle all that they, that they saw and that they believed. And they were a ruthless crowd. And of course, Collins was equally ruthless. Collins was a very ruthless man. And he had no, com- you know, compunctions about killing them. No, and, no. And that later. But anyway, this man, Tommy uh, Whelan, was picked up. Tommy was working in Dublin at the time, and uh, yeah, he was, uh, you know, he was totally innocent of the charges that he was involved in the shooting of of the the British spies. In fact, he'd been to mass that day, and he had, you know, at the time that the shooting took place, and uh, he was there was witnesses that saw him at mass. His landlady saw him going to mass, but it didn't matter. The British were looking for vengeance and he was uh, found guilty and with another five people and they were to be hanged in pairs uh, in the following March. Now, poor Tommy, the fact that he was a member of the Clifton Sinn Féin Club, uh, you know, when he was a young lad, probably didn't help him because they were able to bring this up as if to say that he really was a member of the IRA, which he wasn't. He did join the Dublin Volunteers and that probably also went against him, but he was completely innocent of any involvement, you know, of the shootings, of anything like that. He was just a passive man with, with an interest, obviously, in Irish independence, but didn't yeah. take any action to promote that. And, you know, even during his trial, the local pastor, a very well-known man, Monsignor McAlpine in Clifton, declared his belief in, in Tommy's innocence. Um, Tommy himself swore that he was innocent. Devlin MP spoke directly to the Prime Minister Lloyd George on his behalf. The Prime Minister said, I will review the case, but all appeals failed. Tommy was to be executed with five other men on the morning of March 14, 1921, just over 101 years ago, Tom. And an extraordinary thing happened. Uh, As death approached, a great sense of peace descended on Tommy Whelan and some of the others. His wonderful mother, this is amazing, went to Dublin and remained in Dublin until her son's execution. This is from, she went from from Clifton. The trip to Dublin was a first experience on a train. She was allowed to visit her son as many times as she wanted. She spoke of the courtesy of the guards at Kilmainham and Mountjoy prisons and of her son's repeated declaration of his innocence. You are not to worry about me, mother. I have a quote here. If I die, I die innocent, he told her repeatedly. Now, the auxiliary police and wardens also declared that this man, Tommy Whelan, was the bravest man they'd ever met. And I have another quote, a Carmelite priest, Father Devlin, Devlin, visiting Thomas, said he was, quote, a magnificent type of young Irishman and a regular attendant and communicant at Whitefriars Street Church, I would accuse an infant of murder rather than Thomas Whelan. Mrs. Whelan then attracted huge attention. Uh, 
She sat in a chair on the last few days outside Mount Joy Jail. And she, more and more people were attracted to support her and to, you know, to commiserate in what was happening. Six people yeah. to be hanged. Certainly, Thomas Whelan was totally innocent. And Mrs. Whelan spoke to reporters. I mean, this is a woman now that never left the Sky Road, never went on a train before. And here she was, the centre of attention. And she sat there, Tom, with an old grey Galway shawl around her shoulders. And I have a brilliant photograph, which I've never seen before, of her there in the crowd, sitting down oh, outside the jail. Extraordinary photograph of her wonderful face. Amazing. Yeah. She told reporters, when all this is over, I'll return to my native Clifton and I'll never see Dublin again. Perhaps it would have been better if poor Tom had never seen it. It's hard to think that he should have to make the supreme sacrifice for a crime he had neither knowledge of, hand, act or part in, but God's holy will will be done. Now, as the executions approached, people gathered in enormous crowds outside Mountjoy, eager for news of the prisoners. Mrs. Whelan, don't forget she was allowed in to see her son every day, became a favourite. The Lord Mayor of Dublin inquired if she was comfortable in her lodgings and was she well looked after. On the eve of the execution, his mother was with Tommy again. And Tommy told her uh, and visiting friends that he was happy. He gave them little souvenirs. I mean, it's extraordinary. A ring or a medal, little things that he had and autographs. And he told them that this was going to be the happiest day of his life and that he was, quote, perfectly prepared to meet his death with a clear conscience. And the night wow. before his death, I mean, it's unbelievable, he would sing the old traditional song, The Shawl of Galway Grey. Now, on the, on the morning of March the 14th, again, the crowd swelled even greater. There were an estimated 40,000 people. The Irish Transport and General Workers Union, Tom, declared a general strike on that day. The city was silent. No factory whistle was heard, I have a quote. No clang of tram, no roar or rattle of car or motor, no rumble of train, no sound of human activity disturbed the solemn silence that hung heavily over the entire city. And Tommy's unfortunate mother, Tom, she sat in the chair outside the prison gate, wrapped in her Connemara shawl against the morning cold. At her feet were two holy pictures, one of the Sacred Heart and the other of the Virgin Mary. Despite the great mass of people, the only sound were voices calling out the rosary in Irish. I mean, this, this is a time of great faith as well, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was being challenged now. So, you know, the whole Irish independence movement was being challenged by this extraordinary moment. And then at eight, half past eight, a notice was put on the gate saying that all executions had been carried out according to the law. And at this point, poor Mrs. Whelan, God, I can't feel a catch in my throat, broke down and gave away to heart-rendering sobs. Well, you know, it was really an an extraordinary scene um, yes, and amazing that poor young Tom, who was 21 years of age, you know, was blessed with this calmness that he was able to face this horrible moment, particularly when he was totally innocent. But unfortunately, 
it led to a knock-on effect, as I said earlier. Two, two days later, the IRA followed through with their threat. Two for one was their, was their slogan. RIC constables Charles Reynolds and Thomas Sweeney, two well-known and well-liked men in Clifton, were shot dead in revenge for Whelan's death at King's Corner in Clifton, which is still there. And this was the beginning of Clifton's nightmare, which I'll take up next week, if I may. But I just amazed at the wonderful family, um, th- that great mother um, yeah, who typified, I don't know, I don't know, I don't want to be over-exaggerating, but typified, you know, an almost divine presence there outside Mountjoy Jail, surrounded by all those people, and the silence of the city. You can imagine it, Tom. Yes. Absolute yes. silence in a city that was famed for its noise and shouting and roaring. and Almost terrifying. Yes, it, uh, in its own way. Yeah, and I remember yeah. your story telling me of the woman you knew when Joyce was being hanged in Galway jail. Yes. And of the women that went down on their knees on the bridge, Salmon Weir Bridge, to pray. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I always remember that story. You, you tell it very well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, anyway... So I'm going to get involved in that. It's all in or around this time. I know it's just over 100 years ago, but Easter is a kind of a time, I think, when we do reflect a little bit on the Easter rising. Indeed, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there is a lot to reflect on. Oh, there is indeed, Tom. There yeah, is indeed. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. It's interesting how history uh, evolves. You know, some people say, oh, don't tr- touch history. History is sacred. It's written in stone. It's not, you know, it's not. Because no. as more research is being done, we understand more and we understand the reasons why things happen. And uh, yeah. anyway, that's enough for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well done. That's okay, a Tom. Story. We'll a talk story. again. Yeah. We'll talk again, Tom. Yeah, Lakuna J. You enjoy the week, Tom. Take care. Nice to Thank hear you. you. Thank you.